uh, Hillary has been lengthening her excuses as to why uh, she lost the election. She didn't really lose the election. It was stolen from her uh, by, I think it's up to 24 different excuses she has now. Number 24 is content farms in Macedonia. And uh, as I said, uh, my grandfather was a uh, Macedonian content farmer. And uh, we often think about, you know, gathering on the porch and recalling the old days on the Macedonian. I never thought, he never thought that the old content farmers he left behind in Macedonia would one day steal the U.S. presidential election. They are gnarled, hardworking Macedonian peasants. And the way they were able to reach out. This is episode 54. And, um. The end of 2019, mm-hmm. we're recording this on a Sunday, December 29, the last Sunday of 2019, the last Sunday of this decade, the last Sunday of the first fifth of this century. You know, we could slice this and dice this any number of ways, uh, but uh, we didn't really prepare for this podcast. That's okay. I, I mean, we've got... Over here, we've we've had Christmas, we've got New Year's coming up. I'm busy with uh, a client. Uh, you've got New Year's coming up, and then Christmas. Um, so we really haven't had a chance to talk about it. This, and as I look at the news, Sutton, um, there's it, it, there's news, obviously, but people are you know rightly I think focused on on family and friends and the holidays, whether it's Christmas or New Year's or the coming Orthodox Christmas and. They, they shouldn't be so much focused on the news. And so I think for this, this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast, and I should mention that my name is Jason Miko. I'm coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains, which are covered in snow really? in Oro Valley, Arizona. Yes. And this is Tvit and Shilamanov, also in a, a snow mountain surrounded uh, Skopje, the capital of Macedonia, in a pretty cold December evening. It's... Uh, Beautiful. It's at least, I guess it's uh, warmer over there, at least, no? Well, I'll tell you, when I woke up this morning, it was minus 2 Celsius, mm-hmm. and uh, the high today will only be about 10 Celsius, uh-huh. uh, 50, 50 Fahrenheit, so 29 degrees Fahrenheit this morning. Uh, so, yeah, we, we had this storm blow through here, and uh, it's sunny and blue skies, snow-covered mountains, as mm-hmm. I mentioned, but uh, it's cold for us, well, for us so- desert rats. But again, as I was saying... Um, you know, people are rightly focused, I think, on family and friends and not so much on the news. It's, it's kind of funny. I'm trolling through, trolling, sorry, strolling, uh, scrolling, that's it, scrolling through the uh, t- hashtag Macedonia Twitter feed uh, earlier today. And, you know, there's there's huge gaps. I mean, all the, it, you just take a few scrolls and all of a sudden you're in yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, in other words, people aren't posting, uh, which I think is, is frankly better, you know, because they're, they're not focused on their, their laptops and their tablets and their phones and wildly looking for news and things like that so and so in that spirit i think with this episode you know we just kind of look at the year in review Uh, we could look at the decade in review Mm -hmm. Uh, we could look at the past 20 years in review but certainly it's been a (laughs) well look here's the thing and and i just published this article uh, my my weekly column Mm -hmm. i put it up on medium and english we'll have it published in macedonian shortly uh the title of which is abundance and we think about what's happened in the past year, not just in Macedonia, not just here in the United States, but around the world. And, and frankly, this is the best time ever to be alive in human history. Mm-hmm. People are living longer, infant mortality rates are down, um, 
life expectancy is up, uh, poverty rates are down, more people have electricity and potable drinking water. By any, by any measure. The smartphones. Smart, yeah, everything. By every measure imaginable, this is the best time ever to be alive. You know, a hundred years ago, life expectancy, even in the industrialized countries, was just, I mean, think about this. Social Security here in the mm -hmm. United States, uh, when it was implemented, I think the, the you know, and it was, the, you can take full Social Security at 65 or 67, I can't remember. But back then, and that was in the 40s when I think it was created, people were dying shortly after that of natural causes. Yeah. Uh, life expectancy wasn't much beyond that. And now for, I don't even know what it is for American males and American females. American females live longer than American males. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it's up in the 70s. Uh, so, and that has other implications. But my point being that uh, people are just living much longer today than they did just 70 years ago at the, at the end of World War II. So this is a, it's a great time to be alive, despite all of the problems that we all face as individuals and as countries. Uh, Macedonia, of course, this year faced something um, that most countries and most people will mm -hmm. never, ever face, and that is the absolute outright theft mm -hmm. of their name and their identity, yeah. their patrimony, uh, by and by Macedonians, no less, with the aid and assistance of certain corrupt Western elites. We're busy denouncing uh, those guys, actually. Absolutely, yeah. Well, the good news is that um, I like to tell the story uh, Abraham Lincoln, so uh, one of America's greatest presidents, presided and was uh, kept the Union together, took a civil war to do it, ended slavery. Uh, but twenty years before that, uh, he gave a. Um, a speech, it's called the Young Men's Lyceum speech. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was talking to a group of students, and he told the story of a ancient and wise king who brought all of his wise men together and said, I'd like to have you create a phrase that I can use in any situation. It'll work for whatever. Mm -hmm. So the wise men all got together, and they uh, they thought, and they debated, and they deliberated. Finally, they came back to... <laughs> Finally, they came back to the king and they said, Oh, king, we have the phrase that you can use in any and every situation, and it is this. And this, too, shall pass. Uh -huh. Works for everything. Uh, uh, for the bad times, it also works for the good times. Uh, but with regard to Macedonia and what Macedonia has been going through, this, too, shall pass. Yeah. I still firmly believe that Macedonia's name and identity will be returned to them. Uh, but it's going to take a lot of hard work and uh, probably, uh, you know, more pain and, and uh, difficulties and whatnot. But it, it can and it has to be, yeah, uh, I think. It's, as you said, you tried, uh, you painted a rosy optimistic picture, but we see that people are restless everywhere and uh, around the world. And I, I'd say it's uh, because we are now most of Western societies, including... Macedonia and the United States are in uh, a decline and uh, just consider, obviously we had enormous problems uh, uh, 50, 100 years ago, but uh, we had uh, uh, a forward-moving trajectory for uh, the next generations and you know, technological advances were such that uh, uh, unimaginable things were being put into motion and uh, all the countries were assured in themselves that uh, uh, they're growing, they're 
they were arguing over expansion, over where to accommodate their uh, large future generations and uh, uh, how to build, to best build in infrastructure for the coming uh, um, posterity. While, yeah, now we are all in a, in a, in a decline in the sense that, uh, yeah, sure, technology advances, but it's just like a better smartphone every next every few years it's not uh, hmm. uh you know the remarkable technology for people who never saw a, a, a car to to see something like that or uh, an airplane you know d uh, or curing illnesses by vaccines and hmm. uh, so we are just improving on things that have been come up with uh, um, by previous generations and uh, as for the direction of the country it's pretty doubtful who we are leaving the countries to because uh, mm. given the demographics given we, we are we're still arguing over territory but uh, none of the countries at least I mean in the Balkans where we used to fight so bitterly over Macedonia and each of the countries which was fighting for Macedonia was assured that if it was able to conquer it it would have a growing population to settle it and to you know colonize it uh, make it its own assimilate let it will not expel or kill from the native population and replace it, the, mm -hmm. the rest with uh, uh, more you know greeks serbs bulgarians whatever albanians now even the albanians are uh, facing a huge inflation of people uh, let alone uh, uh, de deflation sorry let alone right. all the other countries uh, we have long given up on the ideas of a greater state, but so okay. It's one on one hand, it might be we might becoming be becoming less aggressive, except on Facebook and Twitter. Um, but on the other, we are you know it's difficult not to describe this as a decline, and it opens all sorts of other new problems, which we uh, which might become even you know as dangerous as the was before. The problem of where to accommodate all the growing youngsters and uh, now we have a problem how do we maintain what we have at this point with these mm -hmm. shrinking deathbed demographics and everybody moving out of the country uh, and you know people are looking warily toward the neighbors who have a slightly less bad demographic or toward migrants or um, um, countries you know Asian countries which might or African countries which might have designs on uh, on Europe re-inviting uh, some old uh, uh, hostilities and uh, hatred. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we are comfortable like never before, but yeah, the purpose is somehow uh, misplaced. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, you bring up an excellent point. Um, and, and so when I talked about being alive, this is the greatest time in history to be alive, obviously, yes, ma materially, uh, physically, financially, economically, all of these things, yes. But your point is very well taken. Uh, there's a spiritual crisis in Western civilization, uh, a crisis of, of meaning. Uh, people are, more and more, we, we see people leaving um, the church, and when I say the church, I mean, you know, uh, Christendom, mm -hmm. uh, and they are rejecting the faith of their fathers and mothers and those before them, uh, and they think that they can find meaning in, uh, in, their, in, in work, in social media, in whatever, 
and and that creates a, a real crisis, and that's the spiritual crisis. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Solzhenitsyn, um, I love to quote Russians, Svetin, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> because it, it, it upsets our, some of our friends and some <laughs> of our Western elite friends. Uh, Solzhenitsyn said, uh, now he said this about the Russian people, he said, men have forgotten God. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think in Western civilization today, the, the phrase would be updated to, not only have men forgotten God, men reject God, mm -hmm. men and women, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is the problem that we're facing. You mentioned the demographic crisis that the West is facing, uh, especially Europe, which is dying. And, uh, you know, women are not having, families aren't, aren't uh, procreating. And the, uh, the repri replacement rate is not being met. And so that's why so many European countries uh, feel the need to import um, <laughs> low-wage workers from other places. And as we know... And of course, our friends on the left would would scream bloody murder at us for saying this. Uh, you know, populations have to. Other populations are, are certainly we're, we're welcoming countries. We, we the United States is, is, is was made by immigrants, but you have to assimilate. And sure. our friends on the left don't believe that. Uh, and so that's where you have these cultural clashes that the late great Samuel Huntington wrote and talked about. Uh, so, but again, to your point, it is a a spiritual crisis. Uh, and I don't know how we're going to overcome that. I don't know if it can be overcome. Yeah, we have this legacy from uh, the wars 100 years ago when uh, a few very small Balkan countries just recently established were uh, easily defeating uh, uh, Turkey, which was a feudal you know, country based on serf labor, very uh, you know, unreformed, unreformable, uh, ossified, the sick man of the Bosphorus, etc. Uh, and you know all these new newly developed countries modeled after Austria, after England, Russia to a lesser extent, were uh, industrious uh, and fast growing, and uh, they came up with the idea that they can replace uh, uh, you know, if, if they emancipate enough of the, of the population and uh, obviously women liberation, this would greatly increase the number of uh, uh, people they can uh, field in the factories in the battlefield, etc. And they were um, kicking Turkey uh, left and right. They were demolishing the Turkish armies before they all turned on each other for to fight over the spoils. And uh, this is how we got to this difficult situation we are now with uh, regarding Macedonia and our neighbors. Uh, to the point that we are about to squander the, the victories of 100 years ago uh, mm. in the Balkans. Uh, and... Um, if it, if it was, I don't know, let's say, if it was a victory for Christendom, we are in a very good, you know, we're far, far along the way of squandering it because of all the infighting that followed the, uh, the Balkan Wars. But also we, we realize that uh, it's a temporary gain if you uh, modernize, if you abandon uh, uh, the old ways, if you abandon... Uh, uh, obviously, all these reforms that had to be done in the Balkans and then afterwards in, in Turkey under Ataturk were to the detriment of the established religion, of the traditions, of the old way of mm -hmm. life, the pastoral way of life. And as we were abandoning this, uh, now uh, it was a temporary boost of uh, um, the progressivism. It was a temporary advantage, but 
it's no way to establish a long-term functioning country. We, we overdid it. Uh, we still have these people. I mean, we have now the almost prime minister of Macedonia, Mila Tsarovska, this uh, open society, educated, uh, far-left activist who used to work on migrant uh, rights, you know, open borders issues and uh, supporting abortion in left-wing NGOs funded by Soros and is now in the government and it was nearly, very nearly uh, appointed uh, interim prime minister for the next few months. And, you know, they, they would still go around talking as if the patriarchy or the conservative values of the old or the old way of life is the biggest obstacle to progress for the country. And uh, as if we haven't gone the other side of progress maybe 30, 40 years ago, if, as if we haven't gone uh, far below replacement rate demographics and, uh, you know, destroying the stigma of not forming a family, not getting married, not uh, creating posterity. We have all gone past this. Nobody, you know, you, you might face a few annoyed grandmothers and aunts during a... a celebration during a like a family feast who would keep bothering you why haven't you been married yet settle down <laughs> started having children yes. <laughs> the time is ticking uh, there are those famous uh phrases such as you know you, you pick your your man while you're uh, by age 25 and after 25 they pick you and may not <laughs> may not pick you etc but nobody really i mean there is no organized uh, um the, po the policies are, the state's policies are obviously uh, not beneficial to founding a family, to, to starting a family. Actually, they lead to a lot of downsides economically if you, if you choose this way. And we've seen that, uh, you know, even though other neighboring countries are in similar difficulties, those who are least bad, such as, I don't know, the Albanians in Kosovo, not those in Albania, are growing, expanding. Uh, even though they're relatively declining as well, and uh, I mean they're abs in absolute terms they're declining, but re they're declining less relative to us, and so you know we have the the, the uh, least worst country expanding. We have the the right. cleanest, dirty shirt, you know, uh, being. Sh uh, we we've seen that uh, we've proven that countries with different. Uh, uh, societal systems cannot coexist peacefully in the Balkans. Uh, we had one war with the Albanians, we had Kumanovo and all, you know, constant fighting, including, you know, the Albanian uh, pressures on Macedonians over the name change and uh, uh, the true, you know, Albanians gleefully playing the, the, a role, cast, they were cast in by the internationals who got involved in uh, the in the renaming of Macedonia, so um, it's uh, if we were all declining evenly, it would be depressing enough. <laughs> but but it's even more dangerous that some are declining faster than others here. Yeah, well, and and listening to you speak, I was I was thinking, you know, that that podcast that we want to do on conservatism. Mm -hmm. um, I really want to just jump into that right now, but we're going to say that uh, you, you mentioned the issue of. Um, Progress. You know, I, uh, progress. I, I, I read an interesting line from uh, our friend General Goldberg the other day in, in which he said, progress, rightly understood, mm -hmm. means improvement. And there's nothing wrong with 
improvement and improving society. But our friends on the left have taken progress and progressivism and turned it into a modern-day version of 1789, the French mm -hmm. Revolution, in which they wanted to tear down everything about the past mm -hmm. and start from year zero, as we've mm -hmm. talked about many times on this podcast before, uh, and, and even rename the months of the year and tear down the church, tear down the king, tear down the government, tear down everything and start over again. Mm -hmm. That's their idea of progress and progressivism, whereas we know as conservatives that the past is immensely important. And, you know, to borrow Chesterton's phrase again, the democracy of the dead, we have to honor those who have come before us and what they have done and what they achieved and what they sacrificed for those achievements and honor those by building upon them slowly and steadily. So, yes, we do, as, as conservatives, we do believe in change, of course, but it's got to be slow and incremental and it's got to be you have to understand why it's being done. To, to go back to Chesterton, and I've got to figure out how to get this in one of my articles, um, and I don't think we've ever talked about this on this podcast, um, uh, the story, and I've got to, I, I'll have to get it for the conservatism podcast in its fullness, uh, but the brief one, it's called Chesterton's Fence. Yeah. And the idea that you're wandering through a forest or a, a valley or a field or something like that, and you come upon an old fence, and... Many, you know, and, and, and some folks would say, okay, well, we just got to tear this down. Whereas the correct response is, why was this built in the first yeah. place? And what is its purpose? And that is understanding the past and, and building upon it and, and accepting what has been come before us, etc. So, um, sorry, I'm not exactly sure how I got on that, but um, <laughs> it was a nice little, nice little diversion there. It wasn't a rant, but just a nice little meandering diversion to talk about the past and the importance of those who've come before us, as, a, as opposed to those on the left that want to just tear everything down and start over again. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not you're, you're not supposed to honor the, the sainted dead for their sake, but for your sake, because they've been to, right. to similar uh, issues. They had... They were faced with similar problems. They came up with solutions, which are yes. timeless because they're based on human nature. And uh, and in some cases, you know, if, if they're geopolitical issues, they would repeat themselves. Uh, uh, I mean, we have 4,000, 3,000 years of history of fighting over the same cities or gorges or narrow passes, etc., to the point that, you know, we, we can, uh, you know, build our infrastructure or, you know, uh, I mean, the Serbian patterns of colonization in Macedonia after capturing it in 1913, they would follow the, the uh, similar solution to the, how, how to best hold the country, which was uh, set by the Byzantines. I mean, these are the key points. Mm -hmm. This is where you need to, <laughs> you know, they would, oftentimes they would build on the same place where there was an ancient city, which was, uh, you know, a fortified city. And this is the place you need to hold in order to keep this territory. So it's uh, everybody's been, you know, you gotta be really arrogant to think that you're that everything starts with you and that uh, you're the first one to come up with something and uh, with a, a solution or with a idea and uh, to discard the accumulated wisdom, especially in <laughs> in this region we live in. But you know, bunches of people do so. I mean, they, they say that we can discard the, okay, relatively easily won sovereignty of Macedonia, at least compared mm -hmm. to some other neighboring countries, like, uh, yes. I don't know, God forbid, Bosnia or um, yeah. 
you know, Croatia. Uh, but, you know, people think that you can just discard this in, in exchange for joining NATO and maybe hopefully opening EU accession talks. And they don't stop to think, well, there was a reason why nobody before them uh, decided to give up on Macedonian name and with it, yes. as a symbolic gesture, give up on the sovereignty. It's not that everybody was... Nobody thought of this before. <laughs> hey, can, we can all give up everything and, <laughs> and then we'll be fettered by the international, by the diplomats for like a few <laughs> months before they forget about us. Before they, exactly, yes. <laughs> there was a reason why nobody did this. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely right. So, um, well, yeah, let's, and let's bring it back to kind of where we started talking about, um, you know, how Macedonia, what Macedonia and Macedonians have faced this year with the ultimate... Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in troubles and problems and certain amount of pain and suffering, and that is the, the usurpation of your name and identity, your patrimony, as I said earlier, by Macedonians, uh, combined with, of course, the, uh, the, you know, the Bulgarian uh, so-called Treaty on Good Neighborly Relations, um, all of these things, I don't, I, I, I guarantee you that Zayev and people around him haven't thought it fully through all the implications of this, if it were to be followed all to its logical conclusion. Um, and, of course, the, you know, and it's, it's kind of like, I think, the, the Oak Ridge Framework Agreement, so from 2001, <laughs> yeah. uh, we keep hearing almost now, almost 20 years later, that it still hasn't been fulfilled, there's still things that need to be done. Uh, the Western elites like to keep referring to it, and, and, and they put it in their preambles of their document, of their statements on this, that, and the other. Uh, and the whole point of it is that it, can, it never will be fulfilled. It never will be completed. And that is the same with the so-called Prespa Agreement and the Bulgarian Treaty, is that there is no end to these things. There are always new... Um, uh, newly created conditions that are going to be imposed and found and discovered within the treaties that have to be implemented uh, so that you have, quote-unquote, good neighborly relations with the Greeks and the Bulgarians. Yeah. And, and, of course, the Greeks and the Bulgarians will always be demanding these new things. As, and as long as you give them to them, they will keep demanding them. Yep. They cannot be satisfied. And the Western elites will continue to go along with this. And so that is why, I think, uh, I think you agree that Macedonians have to stand up and firmly and politely say no. And this was wrong in the first place. It was done without a, without the consent of the governed. Um, and it has to be reversed. Yeah, Gruevsky was being declared like a um, uh, radical, like a troublemaker, like a person who is deliberately making relations with neighbors uh, worse because he would not give in on their... Not only he would not give in on their pressures, but he would uh, come up with a not uh, f- fundamental. Uh, ge- he would come up with a gesture, not with a f- fundamental uh, move that would deteriorate relations with uh, Bulgaria or Greece. But he would mm-hmm. give a very visible, clear, 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 clearly understandable, easy to understand message that uh, there will be no appeasement. That there will be that any pressure will be met with uh, uh, an angry response, and that uh, the 
nationalist politicians of our neighboring countries will not be able to make easy points to score easy points on the uh, detriment of, of Macedonia. Bulgaria declared right. that he was doing this to them. In reality, I mean, he really wasn't. Bulgaria was not the target of this. Clearly, it was Greece. And whenever Greece would violate uh, the interim accord of '95, if you remember that one, <laughs> oh my God, uh, yes. wow. would respond with a monument, which was clearly meant to say that the Greek prime minister will not be shown as easily pushing Macedonia around and Macedonians acquiescing to his pressure. Mm-hmm. And um, this was denounced by the internationals, but it had the result of getting the neighboring countries to back off because they realized there were no easy points to be made here. So they would have to do something else to, to win votes in their respective countries. Now that uh, this policy was turned on its head by Zoran Zaev and the internationals who are minding him, now all of a sudden we have a situation that there is no end to new troubles which are uh, appearing, including Albanian territorial claims, Bulgarian claims on the Macedonian nation, and Greeks are basically just happy to see us block, uh, continue to be blocked and uh, mm-hmm. glide along this path of debasing our national identity and ultimately losing it. So um, it was, you know, we are um, abandoning the principle of national sovereignty. Yes. You don't have to like the way Gryevsky was um, uh, asserting it. But clearly, this was uh, an end to the to the, the to the a response to the uh, to the pressure. It was a firm rejection of appeasement. Now we are hundred percent on the path of appeasement, and there will be no end to humiliations. Every day brings another defeat for the Macedonian national identity, which is eventually right. going to cost us the country. Well, yeah, this is this is the thing. I don't know if people realize this. Uh, that if you know the old adage if you repeat something long enough if you repeat a lie long enough people will believe it uh and so if you continually say if 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 macedonians are continually told by outsiders and if some macedonians themselves continually tell themselves and other macedonians that they really don't have a history and they really are manufactured out of thin air uh and that they are you know, North Macedonians, quote unquote. Eventually, they'll believe it. That's human nature. Uh, and so you're right. Macedonia will disappear from the map and from history, unless people stand up and start asserting their sovereignty, Macedonia's sovereignty, and their God-given right to their own identity and path forward. So, mm-hmm. but that is up to the ma- that's up to the Macedonians to decide. Uh, and uh, they have friends uh, like me that are willing to help. And um, and uh, but 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 it's up again. It's up to them to decide. Of course, the first. Uh, I know we're not going to talk about news, but you know the first mm-hmm. opportunity, the real opportunity for that comes up in April uh, with the elections, yeah. and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in another podcast. But um, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, in uh, 2016, when we, you know, both Macedonia and the U.S. faced these uh, very interesting elections, I mean, Macedonia at the end of the political crisis, uh, sparked by SDSM, by Zaev and the international diplomats here, and the U.S. at the end of this un- incredible, unbelievable 
out of the blue primary season and uh, Trump and Hillary. And uh, I remember making a comment somewhere that I, I'd rather, if I have to pick one winner, Nikola Gurevsky or Donald Trump, I would pick Donald Trump because if we lose, mm. even if we win here in Macedonia, but then get Hillary in the US, you know, everything will be for, for nothing. I mean, we would right. we were clearly targeted by a very serious operation from emanating from the US and from uh, some European capitals in Brussels, which was not backing down even after, you know, the Kumanov attack, uh, whoever organized that uh, and who had its uh, set of designs on, Macedo on redefining Macedonia and Macedonians. And I said, okay, maybe Trump wins and reverses this, stops this. He was definitely making this promise. Uh, he, I kind of got my wish, some of it, you know, Trump won. Nikola also won, but was cheated out of forming the government. And, uh, and then Trump proceeded to do nothing with regard to uh, stopping or reversing the assault on Macedonia. Uh, and here we go again, 2020, we're going to have uh, elections in the US, we're going to have elections in, in Macedonia. I believe that, again, both Trump and Wimmer are going to win. Um, and, uh, but, you know, this time if I have to choose one winner, um, I would uh, hope for, for a Wimmer win in Macedonia because... Seriously, I mean, this is not normal, what is happening here. It's going to end very badly, very soon. There's not going to be an economic uh, turnaround mm -hmm. spurred by the European Union. There's not going to be a period of stability and security and sobriety uh, provided by the by NATO membership. Um, the found foundational, the cornerstones have been seriously undermined. And if unless we start putting things right here very quickly, uh, it's definitely, you know, this is going to be a very short-lived project, this North Macedonia thing, uh, right. whatever whatever you want to call it, this international protectorate with an undefined identity, <laughs> it's going to end yeah. real badly, real real soon. So this time I'm, I'm predicting slash hoping for, <laughs> for a Vimera win over one for Trump, although obviously I would like to see both of them win, uh, you know, with uh, distinction, serious yeah, wins. Yeah, no, Com completely agree with you. You know, with your your point on on the the hope amongst uh, Macedonians, at least Macedonians as a conservative bent and their friends, that with the advent of the election of President Trump, that things would reverse themselves in Macedonia. They didn't. I think we were all disappointed by that. I think it also goes to show just how extremely entrenched and powerful the deep state, the administrative state, mm -hmm. the establishment, whatever you want to call it, is here in the United States, and especially in the State Department. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, the deep state is real. Uh, to, to quote two people from the opposite ends of the political spectrum, so Steve Bannon, who was Trump's uh, uh, campaign um, uh, consultant chairman, I'm not sure what his title was, but it, at one point he said the deep state is right in front of your face. It's not hidden. John Brennan, the former director of the CIA, who voted for the communist candidate for president of the United States of America in 72 or 76, I can't mm -hmm. remember which, which shows you what he was thinking as a young man, which makes you question his judgment as an old man. He said very plainly the deep state 
he said he was thankful that the deep state yes, existed. Yes, yes. Uh, so yes, it is it is real. You can call it whatever you want, but it's entrenched. It's civil mm -hmm. servants. It's the career of foreign service and others whose very careers and lives and livelihoods and frankly their identities as human beings depends mm. on them staying in power and directing foreign policy in the case that we're talking about uh, uh, and not implementing the <laughs> vision of the commander-in-chief the president yeah. of the United States elected by the people of the United States of America and, of course, as we know from many of, of Trump's speeches, including uh, his inaugural speech, his speech in Warsaw early on in his presidency, etc., he talks a lot about sovereignty and about the right of, of individual nation-states to chart their own course in their own way. And then, of course, his State Department did everything that they could to uh, thwart the will of the, the people, of the Macedonian people. So, yeah, so that's what, you know, we're all up against um, with the State Department. It needs to be wholly... Uh, reformed. I don't know if it can be or not, uh, mm -hmm. uh, which creates other problems, but uh, we'll set those aside for now. But yes, with your two predictions, I would completely agree with you. I do hope that uh, Donald Trump is reelected, and I do hope that, uh, that Vumro gets into power and can, uh, can turn some of these things around. Yeah, and uh, also we need to hope for, you know, there, not, let's not be naive. I mean, if, if there ever always was a deep state or if there's going to be a deep state in the future. Um, I mean, I'm not as opposed to having, uh, you know, something like uh, Operation Gladio in Europe, uh, where the purpose was to make sure that uh, uh, socialists, I mean, people who are absolutely anti-civilizational, I mean, who are yes. uh, working to destroy what we call Western civilization, that, uh, you know, to prevent them from coming in power. Now we have, uh, so, you know, ideally, in an ideal society, we would not have such a structure, such an apparatus, and uh, elections would determine outcomes, and people would get what they voted for without any interference through the media, the judiciary, the secret police, mm -hmm. etc. But if we are, you know, back on planet Earth, if we are going to have a, <laughs> a society with this type of institutions, you would hope they would work to protect the um, proven, the tested principles of which have built this society, built this civilization. And the worst outcome is, you know, to have the populace voting one way, both in the cases mm -hmm. of Macedonia, where the choice of the ethnic Macedonians, the majority nation in this country, and the majority in overall numbers at the elections was rejected, was denied, was cheated of their win. And in the right. US where, um, okay, the, there is the, it's a bit more complicated, the, the majority of the people voted uh, against Trump, but the uh, majority of the people strewn across the country uh, voted for Trump uh, under the, the model. And then in both cases, in Macedonia and in the US, to have this secretive cabal of uh, uh, police, uh, secret service officials and judges and prosecutors who are complete partisans and journalists who are complete partisans and foreign diplomats meddling in the process and trying to overturn the, the outcome. And the worst of all would be the fact that the principles on which they stand have completely 
been debunked throughout history that they are dangerous, they are anti-civilizational, are going to end in tears very quickly after being implemented. So now we are having the worst of all worlds, both here and in the U.S. And, um, you know, another round of elections in the U.S. in which Trump wins and then is not allowed to govern, or in Macedonia where Vemera wins and is not allowed to even assume office, uh, even nominally like Trump, this would, you know, <laughs> this would be a disaster. Right. No. Well, I think in surveying the West, the one thing that we can take uh, some some hope from in, in having mm -hmm. seen the deep state finally defeated is, of course, Brexit. Uh, and so yeah. with the uh, with the uh, the astounding and resounding uh, election of the Conservatives and Prime Minister Boris Johnson on December 12th in the UK mm -hmm. means that Brexit is finally getting done, despite the fact that both Brussels and the establishment, uh, a part of the establishment in London and the UK, mm -hmm. the Remainers, tried to thwart the will of the people from 2016, almost four years ago, um, that uh, the, the deep state has... has has finally mm. learned, and we have learned, that it can be defeated. I want to just quote real quick a, a column from uh, the British um, author and philosopher Douglas Murray, uh, mm. writing in National Review about Brexit. He says, And perhaps Brussels has also learned something, that a vote still means something to the British public, and that trying to go against what we decide at the ballot box is something we regard as fundamentally uh, undemocratic, Distinctly mm -hmm. un-British, and in the final analysis, really not fair play. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, maybe we can put a link up on uh, the podcast to that. It's a very good article that I think any people who are facing uh, the, the deep state or the administrative state, uh, whatever you want to call it, can take some solace in. And in, 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 in that's a great example, I think, perhaps maybe even to uh, almost in this podcast, that yes, the deep state can be defeated, the will of the people can be upheld, and uh, mm -hmm. sovereignty can be restored. Here, here. Right. And with this hopeful and optimistic note, let's uh, conclude the last uh, podcast of the decade. Episode 54 of the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast. And uh, but, of, but yeah, we still have our farmers picks to do for, for this final episode. Uh, have we something prepared, Jason? Well, the, the only thing I can think of, I don't, I don't have anything prepared, to be honest. I, I just have been mm -hmm. so busy between Christmas and, and work and whatnot. Um, I don't have anything prepared, but I think I want to propose, Sveten, that mm -hmm. we have a joint farmer's pick, and it's not something right. that we'll post on our, um, uh, in the notes, but it, uh, we always like to end, or I like to end, you like to end sometimes on a high note for Macedonia. Mm -hmm. And so... I think our collective farmer's pick this time should be the fact that Zoran Zaev is resigning in just a few days and will no longer be the Prime Minister of the Republic of Macedonia. Well, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> it was an abomination for the country. Yes. And on I'm that... Not using this word lightly. On that good and high note, I think we can close out this podcast of 2019 and wish all of our listeners a very happy New Year's. Good talking to you, son. You too, buddy. Take care.